Free Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 98, interview with Jeff Kennan, author of The Day I Learned to Fly, coming up in the next episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome, everybody, to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Today we have a very special episode. I recorded an interview with Jeff Kennan from the day I learned to fly. Really great person. And, you know, it was such a long interview, and uh, he's such a great guy. We talked a lot about different things in aviation and the Stuck Mike Avcast. As a matter of fact, uh, you'll hear a description as to why, when he hears our voices, he actually feels pain, and uh, he'll get to that at the end of the interview. So make sure you listen to the whole interview. Also, if you want to send us some information uh, or any questions, etc., go to contact at stuckmikeavcast.com. Just go to stuckmikeavcast.com, and you can click on the Contact Us button there, and you can contact us. Also, remember, coming up on the 100th episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, we're asking for your input. So if you go to the Contact page, send us a note. One of the your hundredth milestone, a hundredth milestone in your aviation career, or any other hundredth milestone in aviation in general that you want to make us aware of, because there's so many of them out there. I know it's a tough one, but you know, put your thinking cap on and try. I was actually looking at my hundredth airport that I landed at, so it's it's actually taking me some time to go through my logbook to find that one. So what it might be your hundredth landing, hundredth approach. It could be the hundredth airport. It could be the hundredth hundred dollar hamburger. You never know. Well, anyway, without further ado, we're going to move on to the interview with Jeff. Hey, if you want to check out his book, uh, you can actually go to Amazon. Go to stuckmikeavcast.com. Click on The Day I Learned to Fly. It's at the bottom of this this post for this uh this episode, but it's also on the right side of the screen, and you can uh, actually get a little preview of the the book. I really enjoyed it. It brought back many memories uh, of my childhood when I started to fly. Well, without further ado, here we go into the interview with Jeff Cannon. Now entering cruise flight. Well, folks, this is Carl Valerian. Joined with me this evening is somebody who I think is a terrific author, wonderful dad, and somebody who is truly inspiring others to fly and live life to the fullest, and that is Jeff Kennan. He's the author of an, a really cool children's book, The Day I Learned to Fly, which I just finished, and uh, I tell you, I was enamored by the character in the book, and it brought me back to when I was a little kid running down the runway with my arms outstretched. Welcome, Jeff, to the show. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, Jeff, I, you know, we've been trying to get together for a while, and we do appreciate you uh, with the sponsorship. And by the way, if you're listening right now, uh, if you want to look at uh, Jeff's books on Amazon, it's really easy. Just go to stuckmikeavcast.com slash Kenan, K-E-N-N-O-N, stuckmikeavcast.com slash Kenan. And uh, you can find his author's page and get to know him a little bit. But we're going to go a little deeper uh, this evening. I know you can find that information out there. Uh, Jeff is a very active pilot. Uh, he's been involved in in writing, and uh, he's also an all-around good guy, and that's why we want to have him on today to talk about his book, but also about his flying life. Uh, and But Jeff, tell us a little bit, first we're going to talk a little bit about the book, and then I want to get into your, your flying background. Um, sure. You know, the, the book, to me, what, what was really cool is, like I said, I was able to insert myself into this book as a child. I felt like I was there, and it, it what's interesting is I'm not sure you wanted this effect, but it took me somewhere else. It took me to a part of my life uh, when I was young, like I said, running down the runway of a closed airport with my arms outstretched, getting ready to fly, and all of a sudden I had I was there again, and that's what the book did for me. I'm sure it does things for other people. Uh, you know what? How did you get the inspiration for this? Uh, well, the the story itself actually is a true story. Um, and um, when when I was a kid, and, and I, don't, I don't know, you know, it's like my I have a 12 year old son. He's enamored with the ocean and diving. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I guess it was just, you know, I was wired for it. When I was a kid, I had to be, my bedroom had to be upstairs so I could look down on the ground. I had to climb. Of course, as a kid, I thought it was 200 feet high, but I think really it was probably only 50. But there was a tree <laughs> in the backyard that, you know, I had to climb the top of, you know, to get up there. And I would blow around in the wind, swaying back and forth, but I could see the tops of the houses in the neighborhood. And I was just enamored with anything to do with flying. Uh, I would spend hours laying on the ground, staring at clouds, you know, and dreaming of flying. And I, I just never could, I couldn't get rid of it. I dreamed it, I ate it, I slept it. Everything that I had, whether it was a bicycle or a push cart or whatever it was, you know, I would always imagine uh, flying. And the, the flying thing, as I've gotten older and all this kind of transpired, I realized how powerful the imagination is. And every time I fly, it's like that imagination coming to fruition, you know, all those years of dreaming of it. And then here I am, you know, this was just a couple of weeks ago, Elizabeth and I were coming back from, um, um, <clears throat> excuse me, coming back from uh, a cross country little flight at 7,500 feet. And we had clouds below us at 6,500. And we had just left the, the coastal area of North Carolina and we're flying back. And it just kind of struck us both where we were and what we were doing. And it's all these years later, the, the power of imagination and what kids do with their imagination is really just what grabbed a hold of me. I felt like I had to do something with it. Well, I tell you, it's, a, it's truly magical what you've done with it. Uh, it's, it transforms uh, not only uh, you into the air as a pilot or flying. It transforms the person that's reading it into that person in the air. It's did it for me, and I think that's really cool that you've been able to do that. That's one thing I loved about it. I'm probably going to read it over a couple times, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had told you, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit this now, is uh, when I actually first started reading the book, I was at a pool by myself, and there was all these kids there, and uh, and their parents were there, and I'm sitting there reading this children's book, and I actually t put it down, and I pulled out the Wall Street Journal because I was I was a little <laughs> embarrassed to be reading a kids' book because I'm, I'm sure the little kids are looking at that old man saying, "Hey, what's he doing reading that what's children's he doing book?" Reading that book by the pool, <laughs> and, and you know now I I should have just kept reading it. You know, it's it's it really because I would have loved to share it with the people that were there, and I think I, I'll probably wind up doing that. Maybe I'll, I'll be able to do a reading or or have you buy do a little a kids' reading or something like that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Absolutely, um, but but so you wrote this book because it really was. It didn't take much imagination because it was real. It was you. It's yeah. See, I, I grew up in a neighborhood in Greensboro, and my mom was convinced um, we would get killed if we had a go kart with an engine. So we had to have a push cart only. And um, you know, back when I was a child, there weren't video games. You know, you spent your summers outside playing. And so my dad had put a wrench in my hand when I was a little kid, and a hammer and nails and and I just like to build things. And I was in the, the backyard one day. We had built this push cart out of, you know, old lawnmower parts and wood that had been laying around. And the steering mechanism for the, the push cart was like the reins of a horse, of a horse, you know, a rope tied to one end of the axle. And you would pull it back and forth to steer it. And um, I saw an airplane fly over. And I thought, you know, I bet you I can make this thing fly. And then it just kind of transpired in my mind, well, how would I make it fly? Well, I'd build wings. Well, what would I get? How would I build wings? And um, <clears throat> I saw the screens on the house, and I thought, perfect. That might work. And so I ran inside and knocked one of the screens out of the second story, and it kind of floated, flittered down to the ground. And I knew. I mean, I was positive. That's a wing. I can make that thing into a wing. <laughs> and so I uh, took two screens and wrapped it in plastic and nailed it onto the push cart and a buddy came over and uh, I, I mean, you know, of course I grew up with Looney Tune cartoon as well. So, you know, the best break in the world is a brick tied to a rope kind of thing. <laughs> <clears throat> so we put a cinder block on the back of the push cart with a rope tied to the, the push cart itself. And we pushed it up to the top of the hill. And I'm not lying, Carl. I was convinced by the time we got down to the bottom of the hill that I was going to be airborne. And, um, uh, so, you know, the buildup, the, the, I don't know, the few days that it took to build it and then the buildup of actually being able to fly through the neighborhood. And I was convinced everybody was going to think I was a hero and they were going to be talking about me and about my mom and dad and how brilliant and brave I was and everything else. And 
of course, um, it didn't really pan out that way. But what I came away with was how powerful the, 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 the power of imagination is. And I wanted to give that back to kids. I, I, the kids that I meet today, the joy of imagination and the joy of flight, um, they just don't have. And I really wanted to do something that was not childish, but childlike and innocent and took me back to my roots. And really the outgrowth of the book was um, I had gone through a separation and divorce and my son and I were at the house and we had read, he was six years old, we had read everything like 50 times. And so my son's name is Caden. He would ask me, he would say, Daddy, tell me about a story when you were a little boy. And so I'd tell him about the tree houses that we built, or I'd tell him about putting parachutes on the bicycle. And of course, back in my day, Evil, Evil Knievel was the, you know, he was the guy, right? So yes. we, we talked about, you know, building ramps for our bicycles and jumping them and all this kind of stuff. And then one night I told him the story about putting wings on a push cart. Well, this became his favorite story. So I start every night, it started to be a ritual. Tell me about the push cart story, Dad. So I'd tell him about the story. And, you know, I would, the, the more I told it, the more alive it kind of became to me. And there's a, there's a tagline in the, in the, the book that I replay over and over where I say, you can build almost anything out of two by fours, a nail and a hammer. And that's what the, that's the way I used to tell him the story. And, and when he was six years old, he popped up one night and he said, yeah, but you can't build a submarine dad. And I went, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to add that to this story. You can build almost anything with a two by four and the na- nails and the hammer, except maybe a two by four. I mean, it's a, a submarine. <laughs> so, um, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And then Elizabeth was very encouraging to me that I should write it down. And, um, she offered a, a, to help me edit it. Uh, and, and Elizabeth, she's your uh, fiance. She's my, now. She's my fiance. Yes. And, um, so, uh, I found an illustrator, uh, and the pieces kind of kind of came together slowly. I'd never done this before, and I don't think she'd ever done it before where we self-published. But um, we went through the process of self-publishing it. And um, by the time it was published, it was a few years later. And so my son, who thought it was the greatest story in the world, I remember when I got the first copy of the book, he was like, Dad, that's a little kid story. And then when I flipped it over on the back and showed him that the picture of the author was he himself and me, um, and that you could go out to Amazon and he saw himself on Amazon. Oh, he thought he was all that in a bag of chips. He was walking around the school going, Hey, look, I'm on Amazon. Look, I'm on Amazon, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he became a fan of the book again. But the, the goal of the book was just to take us back to the simple truths of our imagination. That's, that's it. And, um, that's a very powerful thing. And I think that's powerful in, in not just in, in children, but in, in adults. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's even, it happens to me now. And it's one of the reasons why I've embraced it as I've gotten older. And when I say older, I'm, I'm in, I just turned 50, not long ago. Okay. I turned Congrats. 50 last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, you know, it's, it's a big milestone in life and congratulations on, on being so childlike at the, at the age of, of 50. Well, you know, I, you, you brought this up, so I'm, I was going to tell you this. One of the things I've enjoyed about your podcast is out of all the pilots and everybody that comes to the table, you're the one that acts more like a kid around <laughs> flying than anybody I've met. Because you, you'll say things like, man, that was really cool. Or did you see that? I mean, that was really neat. And I was like, who uses the word neat anymore? A, a kid <laughs> uses that word. That's who it is. Uh, but it's a powerful thing. And even at my age, I'm embracing it more now than I ever did. And that's what I really wanted to take people back to. And you know, it, Jeff, you know, it, it did that for me. And, and to add to that point, I've had people ask me, you know, what are you, 16 years old? Uh, yeah. and, and I like to look at life. I, I, I look in the mirror and I see this old guy and I say, who is that? And that's not me on the inside. I'm this little kid, and that's why I absolutely love this this type of a book. But but I think too it translates to even more, and and you can translate it into people's lives. You know, I I do a lot with careers in aviation, and if, you know, my day job I fly uh, as an airline pilot, and and one of the things that I found is people have you know they've lost that feeling, they've lost that magical feeling with flying, and and I. I actually bring kids' books with me every so often to the cockpit, and I show it to people. And, and it makes them go back to their roots and think about 
you know, the, when they started flying and, and the magic that it was to be in the air. And right now, it's not just pulling and pushing on the yoke and getting people from point A to point B and getting to the hotel to go sleep and have your have your dinner. It's it's actually, it is magical. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, sometimes we forget about that when we're floating amongst the, the clouds and we're looking down at all these beautiful places and canyons and watching the sunrise and the sunset and, and all these wonderful things that are out there. We, we forget those things and we sometimes we, we don't look. We don't see. We, we may have our eyes open, but we don't see those things anymore. Oh, totally. I, I agree with you. I, I've flown, I fly commercially maybe once a month or once every two months. And I'm the 50-year-old kid that's got his camera out snapping photos as we rotate off the runway. And the wheels clink up, you know, into the well. And I'm grinning ear to ear. Everybody's heads down, kind of bored. Oh, here we go. Or they're nervous or uptight or whatever they are. And I'm the one staring out the window going, ooh, look, we're 500 feet off the ground. Ooh, cool. Check that out. You know, I, I still, to this day, I get tickled at myself that it's such a thrill for me. And and we gotta we gotta remember that, and that that's one of the things I love about the book. It takes you back to that, and 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 just looking down on the earth and and wanting to look down on the earth. But you can use your imagination. Uh, if you can't do it right now, you can use your imagination. It also it enables you. And and I kind of I'm not sure if you you meant to do this. It did it for me though. Is it it, it made me realize that envisioning things is very important. Uh, envisioning goals, envisioning things you want to do, uh, is incredibly important. And even if you fail because your your vision was wrong, you can actually change that and oh, yeah. make a new vision. Totally, totally. I mean, um, uh, a, a gentleman that works for me, I manage um, as my day job. I, I manage uh, an IT support help desk call center thing. And he came into my office one day, and there was a, a poster on the wall. One of the sporties posters of the cockpit of, uh, I think it's a 172. And he said, you know, my son loves airplanes and he would love to fly. And normally I don't, because he's my employee, I'm very careful about outside relationships with my employees. And, uh, but he said, you know, I, do you know anybody who could, could take him for a plane ride? And I said, you know, I just happen to know someone. And, uh, so they met us out at the uh, airport, and I took this kid up, um, this little Piper Cherokee that I'm checked out that I that I use a lot right now. And, you know, this kid just absolutely tickled me because we got a 1,000 feet off the ground, and he was – first off, he was talking a mile a minute during takeoff. And I was like, time out. Let me get off the ground, you know, and then we'll we'll – I'm in sterile cockpit mode, okay? But once we got off the ground and headed out over uh, Car Lake, which is north of, of Raleigh out in this area – he was like, Mr. Jeff, I can see a million miles. And I said, yeah, I know what you mean, buddy. You can see a million miles, can't you? And just seeing his 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 whole being change from being up in the air the first time, uh, you know, whatever the rental fees were, it didn't matter. Uh, to get to light that fire and his spirit about flying, that was great. Uh, and that's really what I wanted the book to do is to take us back to a childlike state where dreaming and imagination really were the drivers of all the 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 inventions that you and I live with, I mean, oh, yeah. it's it's my assumption the Wright brothers spent a lot of time staring at clouds, and everybody who's made aeronautical advances, whether it's airplanes or rocketry or whatever, they spent a lot of time dreaming about it, uh, and that's really what I wanted the book to be as a reminder of that. Now, in this book, it's you. So you dreamed about flying. Now, where did how did you go from that dream of flying? Now you're actually someone who brings people up in the air. Uh, did this happen later in life? When, when did all this happen? Yeah, so I actually, um, I, I'm going to say because of my age and where I'm at in life, in another lifetime, <laughs> uh, I went off to um, a Bible college to be a minister. And that school had its own airport where they taught a bunch of missionaries to fly. Missionary Aviation Institute was the name of it back then. And uh, they had a very small airport west of Winston-Salem, uh, North Carolina. Um, Sugar Valley was the name of the airport. And um, I just wanted to fly so badly. And my mom and dad and I talked about it a lot. And the finances just really weren't there for us to make that decision for me to do it. And so I ended up at the school for a couple of years. And I would go out and hang out at the airport. And I was also working as a fueler for the airlines in Greensboro. So I had a lot of aviation stuff that I was around. And 
A point in time came where someone basically sponsored me to get my license. And uh, so the the missionaries out there is where I got my private. And uh, so I think in 87 was when I soloed. And then I finished up my private within, I think, two months or so. I just It's funny. Wow. The only class I ever got A's in <laughs> and, and made A's in my tests were my exams and the work with the aviation stuff. I was a B and C student working hard as I could, but the aviation stuff, again, I imagined it for so many years, and my dad brought me up very mechanically minded that, you know, how an epinage in an airplane works with a rudder, an elevator, and the trim, and uh, ailerons, and thrust, and all those things. They were a little bit second nature for me because I understood the concepts. And so when it came to flying, it was more of getting used to the feel uh, of the, you know, flying a 152 or a 150 or 172. Uh, the, you know, I think I had the hardest time with weather. That was the thing that I kind of scratched my head over and I wasn't totally prepared for. But um, I just kind of ate it up. So I ended up with my pilot's license back in 87. And I flew for... A number of years, uh, when I was a minister, I would take the teenagers up, you know, for flights uh, to introduce them to flying, and um, it's just something I always wanted to do. Uh, and then I had to put it down because of expenses um, and a situation I was in personally, and so it's just been in the last year or so where I, I remember I, I looked at Elizabeth and I said, you know, I haven't flown in years. I really want to go back and do this because I've never lost the fire for it and I've never lost the desire for it. And so I found an instructor out here uh, north of us where we live. And uh, it's funny, it's been, it was 20 years since I had landed an airplane and I told the instructor, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And he was like, great, no problem. We'd love to take you up. We'd love to get you back in the air. And um, his name's Matt McKee. In fact, he just started flying for the airlines. And Matt, Matt was right seat for me. And Elizabeth jumped in the back seat, ever faithful companion, even in doing crazy things. And so we taxied around for a few minutes. And then I took off and we went through some maneuvers. And I told him that my biggest thing was I wanted to see if I could still land an airplane. And he was like, well, if you want to try it, let's do it. And so uh, we went back and landed, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he was like, you landed? And I went, yeah, I know, I landed. I can't believe I did it after all these years. And so <laughs> um, it's just been, uh, you know, it, it's such a big deal to me. In fact, uh, when I asked Elizabeth to marry me, one of the first trips we took out together was I flew her down to the coast and went on an evening cruise on a sailboat, and I asked her to marry me. And we flew down to Dare County, uh, which is Roanoke Island. Uh, in the Cherokee. Uh, and it was just a great adventure. And what an awesome way to experience all that. I mean, flying is so important to me. And, and I know everybody who understands what I'm talking about, they get it. But part of the importance is this childlikeness around it. It's just really hard for me to let that go. And I want people to, to have that same experience. I don't think you ever let it go. And yeah. you talk to people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, they never let it go. And I think that's awesome. I think that's great. But, you know, it, when I was listening to you, I think I see one thing. You have this incredible journey ahead of you with aviation. Uh, you actually have something moving forward with somebody who's interested in, in flying with you, which I think is awesome, is, is incredible. I mean, you really, it's a real blessing to have that. Oh, yeah. I've, I can't tell you how many people go, you mean your girl wants to fly with you? Yeah. yeah, she really does. She's actually turned into a fantastic navigator. And that's a fantastic navigator before I got the iPad. This was when we were just using a paper, you know, well, okay, yeah, we did get lost a couple of times. But, <laughs> I mean, she's a crack navigator now. That's awesome. I tell you, you know, it's neat that you have that. Uh, and, you know, those people that are listening now and that say, oh, you know, I don't have a, a spouse or a significant other that's interested in flying. Well, you have friends that will go with you. That's something I've discovered. Uh, my wife has no interest in, in flying with me, but, but I have so many friends that will go with me. And you're lucky to have your spouse as your, as your friend, your fiancé, oh, to, to go I, flying with you. I agree. And that, that's terrific. You know, though, there, there's something that I'm, I'm dying to ask you. What is – you just said 20 years since you landed now and you said you really were still interested in flying 
this brings up a great point. What did you do in those 20 years to keep your head into aviation? Is it, did you totally turn it off or were you reading books, magazines? What were no, you doing? I, 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 um, I have to admit, I didn't, uh, I didn't read a lot of, ma- uh, uh, actually, to be honest with you, it was so painful to set it down. Right. I thought when I set it down, it was kind of like the death of something and I was afraid I'd never get it again. Um, but I would still visit airports and I'd still run my hand down the leading edge of a 182 or 172 or I would sit down in a cockpit of a abandoned airplane out of a small airport. Uh, I still talked about it when I flew commercially. You know, I really cherished those times uh, of being able to fly again. And I just kept it. I tried to keep it um, not a burning torch because it was so painful that I wasn't doing it. But I kept it as a kind of like a pilot light, you know, uh, no pun intended, but a <laughs> pilot light for, um, you know, a heater. I just kind of kept that flame always going. And so I'd see TV shows or watch things online. And I just kind of kept my finger in it from a, a, a distance and watched it. And, you know, um, one of the kids that was uh, in my youth group, he's a, a pilot over in Saipan now. And he's a 40-year-old guy. And, you know, so I kind of kept in touch with some of those things that were going on. And it just kind of dawned on me one day, I don't know why I'm not doing this. And it's not that I'm sitting on a great amount of money, but I, I can go afford a $150 lesson. Let's just go take a look and see if I still got the the stuff for it. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and uh, I'm back in the air and I'm working on my instrument and Unfortunately, my son gets sick every time we go up, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he still likes it, though, that's for sure. He, he gets does, to see yes. the world. He you, brags about it. You know, Jeff, you touched on something there, and this has happened to me. I actually left aviation for three years, and, and I am sure there's somebody listening right now who has felt the same way that they didn't want to get anywhere near aviation. When they realized they had to leave aviation, when I realized I had to leave aviation, uh, it was it was so sad that I couldn't I couldn't even bring myself to go to the airport. And I was flying commercially all the time because I was flying back and forth to to the Bahamas like every week. And I was looking in the cockpit, and that was it was so sad for me. And it was like somebody did die. It was I was actually. Yeah. As depressed as when someone died, when I realized I wouldn't be able to fly again. Yeah, yeah. And Honestly, at fifty, I'm I'm not thinking about it, but I'm kind of dreading. It's like, Lord, I hope you give me long life because I want to be flying a long time. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get to the place where I got to walk away from it again. <laughs> but but it is. It is kind of like a death. And yes. um, so for I, those people that are going through that, you know, you have other people like us that have been through that. And the the thing that I usually tell people is just just you know, hang in there and keep that fire alive. Uh, take little bits and pieces. Don't do it all yeah. at once. Uh, because if you put too much on, you know, like lighter fluid on a flame, sometimes it goes out. Yeah. Uh, every so often that'll happen. But you want to put a little bit on so it'll, it'll blow up and it'll be a big flame of, of passion again in your life, uh, flying that is. And yeah. I, I think that's that's really important to do. And that's a great example of what you've done in your life, uh, getting back into aviation. I mean, I know it sounds uh, maybe a little bit hokey, but um, I kind of believe uh, I believe in kind of a set destiny. I don't believe in accidents. I've had enough challenging or difficult things that have happened in my life that I kind of gave up on the racket of "ooh, an accident happened." No, things things happen for a reason, and I, I kind of think those of us who have this burning desire to be involved in aviation, it's there for a reason. I mean, like I was telling you earlier about you know one of the kids in the youth group. Clearly, some of the stuff that I used to do with aviation had a larger scope and purpose than I was even aware of. I thought I was just taking kids for rides. I didn't know that it was preparing them for a future career, you know, or anything like that. I I just think if somebody has a desire for it, sooner or later, if this is what you're meant to be, the doors are going to open and you're going to you're going to be back in the air again if that's what you want to do. Give us an example. You just touched on that, Jeff. Is what have you done, or do you have any good solid examples of you're being an influence on somebody that has actually lit a fire that's caused somebody to go into aviation and and stick with it for the rest of their life? Yeah, you know, um, well, one is this this gentleman 
who's uh, 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 he's actually a missionary over in Saipan, but his tentmaker job or his day job is he works for a small airline over there. I lost touch with Billy for years and uh, ended up bumping into him on Facebook. And we used to do the – I don't know if I should admit this or not, but we used to do the weightless pencil thing where right. I would take him up in the air and I'd have him hold a pencil in the palm of his hand open and then I would descend just fast enough to where the plant, the, the pencil would float out of his hand. And um, I, I completely forgot about this, okay? You understand? I look back and I go, Dear God, thank you for protecting us. I was so stupid sometimes. But – so he reaches out to me one day and he says, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, you know, I'm still doing the pencil trick. And I was thinking, dear God, no, tell me you're not doing the pencil trick. But <laughs> he he flies for the airlines uh, over in Saipan. And, uh, you know, another example was it was a young lady who uh, was in the youth group. And, again, I, they would split the cost with me and I would take them up in an airplane and, and let them – let them fly the plane from a safe altitude and kind of steer it around a little bit and show them how to use an airplane and introduce flight to them, which was a really big deal to me that most kids really didn't have that opportunity and we had a chance to do it. Of course, today now, the whole liability thing is a whole different story, but that wasn't anything that we were really worried about all these years ago. So, you know, she went up with me three or four times at least, um, and then we parted ways. Uh, I left that job and went off to a different career path. And years later, I got an email from her, and she had said that her – I knew she had become a paramedic. And so she told me that her her you know rescue squad was going to be at this particular high school, and she thought my son would really enjoy seeing the fire trucks and the demonstrations and everything. So we got to the high school, and we'd been there about an hour, and – I recognized an area that looked like it had been corridored off for a helicopter to land. And sure enough, um, the helicopter here for one of the larger school hospitals uh, came over, circled the, the high school, and then touched down in the parking lot. And so we were all standing at the tape line, you know, watching this big, uh, like I said, I think it's a BK-117, but this big helicopter land. And all the doors open up and crew members walk out and they kind of scattered all the people and one of them just happened to be coming toward us. And so I picked my son up and I said, look, look at the crew member and the patches and the helmet and everything else. And they walked straight up to me, off came the helmet. And then it was this young girl who's now a grown woman. And she said, I just wanted to let you know the few times that you took me up changed my life and I'm a flying paramedic now. I never, ever saw that one coming. You know, it's, um, and in fact, as a life lesson, I think more often than not, it's the things we do that we're not paying attention to that have a tendency to influence people the most. And uh, I, I never knew any of the flying was really going to be a part of her life uh, un until you know I'd seen her 20 years later. So uh, that's a couple examples of, of things that I've seen happen with it. And not only did it affect her life, it's affecting all those people's lives that, that she's saving. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's really funny. Uh, and I don't know where you come from on this, but, you know, when I think about ministry and some of the stuff I did, it, it was more metaphysical and spiritually binded. I never really thought about it as, you know, every time she goes up in a helicopter, she's, you know, trying to save someone's life because we went flying 25 years ago or 20 years ago. That's a really if there's something that I'm proud of. I step back from that and go, wow, you know, I, I'm, I'm really glad that I got to be used to be involved in her life, that it continued through her career. Uh, so, And that's a great lesson for, for myself and for those that are listening right now that aren't sure if they can make a difference in their, in their aviation life and influence somebody. But by just taking somebody up flying or like by doing this podcast, I mean, there's, there's days that I say to myself is, is all this work, is it, is it doing anything? You know, there, every so often you reflect on it, you know, totally being transparent here, and it doesn't really matter. And then every so often you get an email from someone say, hey, listen, I listened to your show, and, you know, because of that, I'm, I'm going on to pursue my instrument rating, or I'm going to become an airline pilot, or I'm going to go overseas and become a missionary pilot, or, or you've inspired me to get back into aviation again. And those, those things make a huge difference, and, and there's something that's actually on your blog that really resonates with what you just said. 
and it's this picture, and it, it just struck me when I saw it this evening. It's this picture of all these faces, and there's all these faces, and, and I'm not sure what you can tell me what it is in a second, but, but I said to myself, wow, you know, that the lesson there is, yes, we really do affect so many people in so many ways, but we may not ever realize it. And, uh, and I'm glad you actually brought that up. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that picture. I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. Well, I didn't get a chance to read the whole article. Well, I, uh, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, one of the things that I have found over the years, and, you know, like I've, I mentioned earlier that I've had some challenges in life. I had a, um, a daughter uh, who passed away when she was an infant. And one of the lessons that I came away with um, from Haven's life and her death was, how interconnected we are and that our lives really are very, and I know this doesn't sound aviation-y, but um, our lives are so interconnected and it, it is very much like a pebble being dropped in a pond. The ripple effect goes out and out and out and further. And there are so many things that happen that you say or do, like you guys don't know this, uh, Victoria knows this because I've told her, but you guys are partially responsible for me losing 80 pounds because I <laughs> jog, I jog listening to the stuck Mike Avcast because it's like, I really don't want to jog. I really don't want to go do this. Okay, I'm going to put Carl and the gang in and listen to him while I go jog up the parking deck near the house. Um, you guys have no idea that's going on. I mean, you really, you have no, no earthly idea that's going on, but yet it's actually taking place. I have found so many things in aviation to be that way. You bump into people, you say, hey, you say, how you doing? Um, little things happen. It, it comes back around. I mean, we're just all very connected in a way that I was never aware of. You know, Jeff, that brings up a, a point when we first started talking. Uh, you can go ahead and share what you told me when we first got on here, that there was a sense of pain, actually, when you heard my voice. <laughs> yeah, because every time I listen to the the podcast, it's because I'm exercising. And so uh, the first time this happened was um, I had heard Victoria and she talked about – you guys had mentioned that you know her day job is that she works for the aviation insurance. So I started shopping at aviation insurance and I ended up getting my policy through her. So I'd heard her for hour upon hour on the radio with your voice and with Lynn and Rick. And so she gave me the number to call to get the policy and she picked up the phone and it was like, ow. And she was like, what? And I was like, ah, I hear your voice and I'm in pain. And so it's like, when I caught on the microphone today with Carl, it's like, I'm in pain, man. I hear your voice and I'm wheezing up and down the steps. <laughs> well, now, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to keep that in my mind now. That, that kind of solidified it for me. When I first met Jeff or talked to Jeff, it's he, he told me he was in pain when he heard my voice. So that's going to that's going to continue throughout whether when we see each other at some point at one of the air shows. I'm going to oh, bring that up. I'm the guy to hurt you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right, Carl. Yeah. You hurt me, man. <laughs> but in a good way. You lost yes. all this weight. So so see, that's a pos There's another positive. We we don't realize it that we affect people in those ways. But uh, you know, getting back to what we were saying about this post. It was actually on your blog. It's called It Matters, and it talks about your writing. It talks about uh, life, and there's so many different things. It talks about Narnia and all these different things that, that it just totally brought me back looking at some of the, the, the quotes in here. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that struck me was that you aren't just an aviator. We haven't really talked that much about your writing. How in the world did you get into writing? Well, you know, okay, this is, this is a painful, funny story, okay? I, I always wanted to write when I was a kid, and clearly I had an imagination. But um, this is not why I'm divorced, okay? But my ex-wife at the time used to return to love notes with corrections. Okay, that's how bad of a writer I was, all right? <laughs> I just was a horrible writer. <laughs> so, um, and then back when I was in college, PCs and computers and all that kind of stuff, they were way, way in their infancy, and so it was still a, a hand typewriter, and I actually paid one of the professor's wives to type my papers for me because I didn't know how to type back then. So I had a professor in college who gave me an assignment that I had to start journaling. And that was going to be a, a big part of my grade was turning in my journal, and she requested that twice a week I would start writing down my thoughts about whatever. you know. And of course, you know, here's my thoughts. I'm up at 2 a.m. It's, you know, 12 degrees out at the airport and I'm freezing, 
my nookies off out here waiting for a FedEx to get on the ground so I can fuel them. You know, she just told me to write anything, so I did. But I found it really um, almost therapeutic in a way. But I, I started writing things out and writing more and more. And by the time it came to the point where I wanted to put this book together, I'd already handwritten a bunch of stuff and come up with some ideas and and had a really large draft for a, a book that I wanted to publish one day. And, I, and I, I started verbalizing some of the stories that were in my head. And all the stories that are in my head are all, you know, they have a point. Okay. It's not just mind candy. Like uh, there's a, there's a modern author, Clive Cussler. Great adventure stories, Dirk Pitt, green eyes, fancy cars, all the girls chase him. You know, he flies, he drives, he goes undersea. But there's not a, a there's not like a moral or ethical point. It's just mind candy. And every story that has ever come in my head, I've always wanted it to have a point. It wanted to to do something or matter. And so then to come comes Elizabeth into my life and she really encouraged this and inflamed this in my life that yes, you have a voice. Yes, you have a um, you know something to say, and so she really has held my hand through the whole writing process. And um, you know, all my blogs, she edit. Thank God, she edits everything. <laughs> but um, you know, I tell her some of the stuff I'm thinking, and she's just gone right along and said, "I think you ought to write about it." And now, you know, every couple of weeks, I'll put something out there, uh, and and I'm finding that um, people connect with it. Uh, and the power of words and imagination again go hand in hand for me. So that, that's why I do that. And and it really does work. It connects. Uh, it, it resonates in my life, and I'm sure it's connecting with people right now. And actually, that's to find that website. By the way, it's jeffcannon.com, and we'll put a link on on the Stuck Mike Avcast for that. Uh, and and it's interesting the power of blogs and the power of writing. Uh, for years, I wrote uh, a blog called Serendipitous Journey, and uh, I kind of took it down. I'm going to put it probably back up there, but one of the reasons I did that was my mom had been sick for 14 years, and she couldn't get out of the house. So what I would do is I would write, and I would put my thoughts out there, and I, I'd describe all these places I was going as an airline pilot, and uh, come to find out other people wanted to read that. And yeah. it, it was it was and you don't realize how important that is to people. I do it now with with Facebook. I mean, there's so many cool ways to share with people your experiences, and then and those experiences resonate, and they do make a difference, and it really yeah. Does matter. You know, every trip Elizabeth and I take in the airplane, uh, I carry a camera with me, and we flew over East Carolina. Universities, their big purple and silver um, uh, football stadium, and it's right there on the water's edge where the sound and everything is absolutely beautiful. And I'll snap photos, you know, I, and, and I don't mean it to be critical, but I think sometimes Facebook people get kind of self myopic and they're pointing at themselves all the time. But I really want to share adventures with people. It and and I mean this as sincerely as I can mean it. If Jeff Kennan is able to fly an airplane and have these kind of magical adventures, anybody can. Hands down, period. And if they get to participate in some of those adventures just by looking at it and seeing us doing it or seeing me doing it or something like that, and it encourages them to dream dream and, and reach, then go for it. You know, that that's just so important to me to be able to share those kind of things. And that's what the writing is also. I think, and I think that's a great point about about Facebook, and is the fact that yeah, go ahead and, and share those pictures of you flying, whatever you're doing. If you're listening right now, go for it because I I enjoy it. I mean, I I love seeing all these people that are friend to me, and I like I see your adventures here, and I and like wow, those are cool. I mean, there's the puffy white clouds. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was really cool. Elizabeth, and I kept looking at each other, going, "Can you believe how spectacularly beautiful?" It was that day because the tops were at about 6,800 and Washington Center cleared us up to 7,500. And so we were heading back toward Henderson and it was just eye-poppingly gorgeous. And I think you said the other day, I kind of got tickled because you said, yeah, I actually hand flew an airplane <laughs> for the first time. You know, I didn't have to follow a route. It was VFR. I got to do this. Turn, and so I was yeah. thinking as we were working our way through the clouds and maintaining VFR to get on top – Oh, this is what Carl really likes to do. He doesn't get to do that often. <laughs> yeah, 
And it's so true. There's so much freedom that you have when you're not flying in the IFR system. And uh, and that's something that I love about aviation. And I'm sure you do and a lot of other people do. I mean, some people get it out of motorcycles. Uh, and some people get it get their freedom and that sense of freedom from flying airplanes. Yeah, uh, I actually ride a motorcycle as well. Yeah, my mom, I noticed my, that. My mom reminds me of that often. She's like, you know, you could pick hobbies that aren't quite as dangerous. Mom, it's not dangerous. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, the motorcycle thing, I, I get kind of scared of because it's uh, there's all the other people on the road. But uh, well, that's the scary part about it. It's it, the the good thing about it is. I'm a paranoid petunia to the hill. So I'm always looking at what everybody else is doing and what cell phone they're on and what lane they're in and how fast they're going because I'm so paranoid about it. But, yeah, so, it's the other people that's dangerous. So getting back to your flying, it looks like you have your instrument rating, right? No, I don't. I'm working on my instrument oh, rating. Oh, that's why you're maintaining VFR. Okay. Yes, right. So you're getting around all those clouds. So you're working on your instrument rating now. So where are you going? I mean, with this, I know uh, you had mentioned uh, Piedmont, or or you were fueling airplanes. Yeah, uh, I, uh, so you went all the way from there to flying. Well, what I did was when I was in college to to help pay the bills, I worked for you know back in the day there was Piedmont Airlines, which was bought out by U.S. Air, and I um I was a fueler for them, and had all kinds of you know. I'm probably I hate to admit this, and I put it out on my blog. It's out there. I'm the only guy on the planet. Who's retracted a landing gear on a parked airplane on the ground, okay? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, it was the owner's personal 182RG, and I was 18 years old and just completely enamored. And it, honestly, I'll be like a typical person of the generation. It's not my fault. It's my dad's fault because he's an engineer, and I'm too dang curious about <laughs> I wonder if the engineers put a safety switch in there that won't let you retract the landing gear while you're on the ground. And Evidently, there's supposed to be one, but it didn't happen that night. I actually put the airplane on the ground. But um, yeah, it was it was not a good it was not a good month. Let me tell you, because the the fuel bonus that we all were supposed to get it all disappeared to pay for the repairs of the airplane because some knucklehead on the flight line retracted the landing gear on the airplane. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. And I'm admitting that so that whoever listens, they go, "God, he is a fool." Yes, I was stupid. I was very, very stupid. Yeah, we've um, all done those foolish things. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done them. a lot of them. But <laughs> I, I so badly want to be involved in aviation. And um, so when it came full circle, what do I want to do with it now that I've gotten older? I have found that aviation is such a, a gift and such a dream that I really am driving hard toward being able to be a, a flight instructor and give that gift back. Um, I, I really want to get to a place where I can introduce flight to as many people as possible and the skill set and the fulfillment of those dreams. And so, you know, I work my 70 hour a week job and do my, do my life. But my goal is to be able to either full time or part time as I age up is to, um, be able to give that back to others. I think that's great. That's a terrific goal. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I used to work with a gentleman from from NASA when I was teaching in Houston, and that's all he wanted to do. He wanted to he he did took pictures for a living, yeah. and uh, he said, "Hey, you know, I I love my part time job as a flight instructor. As a matter of fact, it's his play money." Yeah. And uh, I think I think that if anybody's thinking about this, just like you are, do if you like to teach and and you want to have a positive influence on people's lives, teaching people aviation is incredible. Because uh, it will definitely change them, and it'll change them forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I know most of the people that tune into your podcast are somehow connected to aviation in some way. But to be able to actually give it back, that it's not just a thing to put in your hip pocket and kind of hold on to like a precious jewel that you protect it. But to be able to give it away, to be able to teach somebody how to do that, what an awesome, awesome gift that is to take imagination and turn it into something real world. Uh, so that's what I'm driving toward. You know, that's what I hope to do. I keep looking for, <laughs> I keep looking for the person who has a hangar queen that's well-maintained that nobody flies and they go, sure, Jeff, use my plane. You can fly. Just keep gas in it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, if I have to, I'll do that for you. Okay. <laughs> Well, hopefully they, you find that. I mean, they, you never know. You know, you yeah. you, you, dream, you dreamt it, it might it might just happen. 
Well, guys, you know, Jeff, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. We've, we've got some, some great information from you. We know where you're going next. You're going to become a flight instructor, which I know is going to be, you're going to be a great flight instructor. You, you obviously have the passion. And, uh, you know, the, the most important thing, the advice I'll give you, I give everybody, there's three things you really have to know about flight instructing, three things always you remember, and that's patience, patience, and more patience. Patience. Uh, and that's the biggest thing when you're a flight instructor is to, to make sure you have patience. Well, you know, Jeff, before we go, uh, we, yes, I, I'd like to know where they can find this book. I know that we have a link uh, to your book. It's uh, stuckmikeavcast.com slash Kenan, K-E-N-N-O-N, and that actually will go to your author's page on the Amazon store. And, of course, on our website, we have a link in the, in the right column and also at the bottom of this blog post. But where else can they find your book? Uh, you can get it on CreateSpace uh, as well, but honestly, Amazon seems to be the best place, and quite frankly, Amazon has the most uh, economical pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want uh, a book signed, you know, uh, if somebody will email me, um, I, I what I have found in the book business is I don't make money at it, but I get to share dreams with people, so I ship out books all the time, and I'll be glad to sign books. Um, I do... They call them author days where I go into elementary schools and I actually teach, read the story, and I kind of dramatize it with cinder blocks and hammers. And kids to dream and to go back to using their imagination. So, you know, that's kind of where I head with it. And that, that's awesome. And I, I tell you what, we're, we're also looking for some future uh, titles. Uh, and and we'll just follow your blog. I'm assuming is where we yes, can sir. find that, and also on on the, the Amazon store there. And I, I think that's terrific. Well, Jeff, you, you know the the day I learned to fly is a book that actually took me back to my youth, and and reminded me of the day that, like I said, I was running down this runway of a airport that was about to be closed down with my arms outstretched, wishing I could fly, dreaming I could fly, and, and actually I did fly that day, but it was in my imagination. And, right. and, uh, but we all can do that, and we can do that by just reading this book. You uh, got it. And, and I, I highly suggest it to, to everybody to read it, and uh, don't be afraid to read it in front of other adults like I was, you know. <laughs> and just, just, just go ahead and, and pull it out and, and start reading that. And I, I'm going to bring it with me in the cockpit next time. And next time I have some, some kids come up, I'll have to show them the book. I definitely will do that. Well, if you want more copies, I will send you more for the kids <laughs> that fly. Cause, you know, I, honestly, Elizabeth, I talk about it all the time. I was like, good gosh, I give boy more books than, I, than I'm ever making any money off it. But really, at the end of the day, if, if kids reading the book, if children are reading the book and they're dreaming – then, then that's what it's about. So I'll be more than happy to make sure that you have a supply in the cockpit to give out to kids. Uh, that that would be a joy for me. That's awesome, Jeff. I really appreciate that. And and Jeff, I really appreciate you, you taking the time here. This has been incredible, uh, this journey throughout your life. And, and you have just, just an amazing uh, journey, and you have an incredible journey ahead of you. And I, I'm so excited. Now, hopefully, uh, if we get some questions, we'll send them along to you. And also, maybe you'll give us some updates as to what you're doing. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. The After Landing Checklist. Terrific. And, uh, and if you're, you're listening, just, just go out to our website, stuckmikeavcast.com uh, slash Kenan, or look at this episode, and you can find all that information. Uh, Jeff and everybody else out there, just keep moving forward with, with what you're doing in flying. Take that next step. Maybe it's an extra flight. Maybe it's something, you know, reading a book, reading The Day I Learned to Fly. And you know what? We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.